What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Fit Business. I'm Matt White here with Jimmy Mentis. Jimmy, we got a special guest, kind of got him in late last night. We were kind of brainstorming on what we wanted to talk about, and you're like, hold on, I'll Hold be on. right back. Two minutes later, you send me a text. Why don't you intro our guest for this week? Well, I have a very good friend of mine. He's like a brother to me for, what, 30 years now? His name is Eric Casaburi. He is the founder of Retro Fitness. He invests in real estate. I mean, all that good stuff. The franchises now, Retro Fitness, have surpassed $150 million. So this guy is a success story. I've lived it since he was 15? Uh, 14. 14. <laughs> 14 years old. So I want to welcome to the show. Um, by the way, Merry Christmas. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm in the back of a gym. That's how you know. Yes. Yeah, you are hands-on. Welcome to the show, Eric. Um, I... I Last night when, when when Matt goes, you know, what do we talk about? Because that's how we do it here. It's, it's like nothing's planned out, right? Yeah. What are we doing? I'm like, oh, my God, hold on. And I, you know, and thank you for, for stopping your, you know, your day. But I got to tell you, man, I love your story. I lived it. And, um, you know, tell us. I want to go back. Do you mind? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I want to go back. Um, powerhouse gym. Freehold, New Jersey. Tell me a little bit about that time. I'll tell you what, that is that is the true beginning. Like that is the beginning. So to say that you were there in the beginning, you really were. There's not many people that could say that. So it's funny, Jimmy, because we, you and I met when I was, I, you know, I was a kid. I was 14 years old. I came to work in that gym uh, as, a, you know, like a floor tech, what we call a floor tech today, right? I, I came in as Really, I was a urinal cake changer and a, and a locker room cleaner upper because that's all that our uh, that our the owner Harry that we that we so so much love so much on uh, would let let me do at the time. And when I got there, Matt, for your benefit and the benefit of anyone listening, is you know Jimmy was managing that gym. Jimmy was was you know he was the he was the the pro bodybuilder of the day. Like he was the man in that place. So let's <laughs> let's let's let, let's give the the kudos there because I got to give it to him because you know Jimmy was like an icon in that place. Like you know when he was there. It, it, it was a show. It really was. And, and but I, I got a different view of that, right? Because we, we had a crew of guys, and we talked a little about this at dinner over the weekend, and we had a crew of guys that worked there that were, they were all characters. I mean, we all had funny, crazy nicknames, but I was a kid. Like, I wasn't even used to These guys were like, they were men. They were grown men. And I was, I was introduced into the gym world in a very yeah. interesting way. We were grown men. We were 24. <laughs> well, to me, you were grown men, right? You guys had driver's licenses, for God's sake. You know? <laughs> the bars. But, so it was interesting how I, how I got into the business, but I loved it. And I loved it for the reasons uh, that the culture that was created amongst that group, um, which I think set the pace for a lot of things that I did later um, in culture creation for my own staff and in my own gyms when I first opened my own businesses. Because um, it was the fun that I had that drove me to want to come back there until I learned how to love fitness. Because I kind of wanted to work out. I was a big kid. I was playing sports and I was hitting sand weights in my basement. So when I was able to go to this gym, I was like, wow, I'm training with like, bodybuilders were here, guys like Jimmy that were in the place, and it was inspiring. So I loved being there for the reason of I wanted to just be around those guys. And then getting a job there let me spend more time there. So it was like feeding my addiction. I was I loved fitness. I loved working out. And then I got to be around these people and the personalities. And listen, you talk about a gym in Jersey. I mean, it says it all in that sentence. But you, all the personalities and the characters in that place – we probably could have done a reality show back then and we'd be doing this from Jimmy's jet plane or a yacht somewhere because it would have been the best. I mean, you can't you can't capture that time of the 80s and the 90s and put what went on in there and the clothes they were wearing and the outfits these guys trained in. I mean, very colorful area. <laughs> but we had to do that. So the so the, the, the moral of that whole point of story of, of my life there was uh, that was a good time for me to learn a lot about the culture of, you know, employees in groups loving that business and and actually caring about what was going on inside those four walls so back then a gym was really it was it was your second home but everybody that was there wanted to be there no one needed to be there they all wanted to be there like that was the culture you know nowadays you people that come to the gym because they need to be there right the doctors send them there they've got an illness they got to get you know they're diabetic they're pre-diabetic you know whatever it is heart disease you know those are need to be there it's the folks that want to be there it's a different culture 
Um, and sometimes when you need to be there, you become a want to be there, right? You become that person because you work out so much, you love it. And once you get that in the gym business, that's kind of cool. And that's what you strive for. So relating it back and fast forwarding, you know, 30 years to Brick, later. To Bricktown. I want yes. to go to Bricktown. So let's go to Bricktown first. So we'll, we'll so hold on, hold on a second. So he goes to Arizona College, right? Meets his lovely wife there. Uh, they come back to Jersey. Yeah. Right. And he's still involved in the gym business. Like he always never left the gym business. Right. Yeah. All right. So we go back to Bricktown. Yeah. So take, Brick, take us. Take our us first. Oh, there yeah. we are. All right. All right. So take you go to college, you come back to Jersey and now we're in Bricktown. Yes, yeah, so what I was saying was I already stayed connected. So I worked in gyms the whole time. So even, while we were in college, I was I was always hustling in the gyms. I was personal training. I was I, I got a little bit of sales, did some sales management. So I trained in those gyms all the time, and I stayed employed by the gyms the whole time. So when I got back from from college, uh, I subsequently I had left Arizona State. I came back to Jersey, and I got a call from one of my buddies. And he said, hey, one of the guys who trained, he was part of that crew that trained at one of our original gyms where we were talking about back in the field. And he says, this guy's, you know, wants to open a gym. He, he knows you're into that business. He knows you've worked in a lot of clubs. You know, do you want to get involved? I said, yeah, I'll take a look. And, and, and lo and behold, it was a location down in, in Brick, New Jersey. And I sat there and I looked at this place. I'm like, oh, this kind of looks cool. I, I didn't know my ass or my elbow about the geography back then. You know, I didn't have demographic software or a real estate director or all, you know, I didn't have it was kind of like you got there, you hung out in the parking lot, you went and talked to a couple of the merchants from the other stores, the pizzeria guy, the, the dry cleaner, the bagel shop guy, and you, you just asked a lot of questions. Um, so then I really got got you know got the vibe for it. I really want to do that. So I had to you know I had to come up with the money. The first gym was Brick New Jersey. So at this point, I'm going to ask you the question: What were you doing for money? So See, I, I I want to show everybody where you started and where you are now. What were you doing for money as you're looking to open the gym? So I was doing what every other college dropout does for money. They go, they either working at a landscaping company, they work in the gym during the day or at night. You know, I mean, it was like I was doing whatever and whatever I could. But and then the one thing I did on the side was I, I was also working for my father on the weekends too at, at his store in in Staten Island. And when I came to him with this idea, because I didn't have I didn't have two nickels to rub together, because the guy says he goes, all right, you got to come up with sixty grand. We got to come up with sixty each for the down payment for the SBA loan. I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, that was a little bit of a hiccup. I wasn't ready for. And then I realized, I'm like, okay, let me go talk to my father, see, you know, see what, what, what direction he can offer me. So I went and I met with dad. And I said, listen, I'm like, I, I got this opportunity to open, get involved in the gym business. Uh, we got a couple 60,000. He just looked at me like, kind of like 60,000. Like, what, what are you getting 60,000 for? You're probably making 8,000 an hour right now. And I was like, ah, 850. So he says to me, he's like, he goes, well, he's like, I'll give you half. You got to get the other half from your uncles. He's like, but there's a couple of contingencies. He's like, the first thing is you've got to go and work in this gym. And it was a very successful gym in Staten Island that he would drive by every day on the way back and forth to his business. And he said, no matter what time of day I go there, no what time of day it is, that parking lot's always packed. He goes, go work there and see what they're doing. He goes, and then come talk to me. So that was like level one stuff I had to do. So what do I do? I go there and I apply for a job and I literally take a minimum wage job as a starting trainer there. Now, mind you, I had been to college. I've, I've got... Over 100 credits, two-thirds of them in exercise physiology, every science fashion, because I studied exercise science. I loved it. Subsequently, did not graduate. I dropped out. But I had so many credits and so much education. And by the way, I was ongoing. I was taking personal training courses. So I was well in tune and well overqualified for the job that I had applied for. And quickly, they realized the same thing. I went in there and, and almost immediately, it was within the first like you know 14 days, I was already, they were, they were progressing me into to sales manager, then training, training manager, and I went through all their progressions there. But while I was doing all of that, as I was telling you, Jimmy, at dinner, at lunch, I would bring my tubware and I would sit with Grace, who was the bookkeeper, and I would ask her, why do we process credit cards when I do a, a, a sale? Why do you use this method? And why do you want us to have this type of agreement? How, you know, the term of the agreement. Right, why do we have right. the FT? Why do we want checking accounts? I was asking all of these questions because I didn't know the answers to them. And I knew that that was kind of some of the stuff that that dad was going to want to hear about. And I had a yellow pad. Literally, I had a yellow legal notepad. And I would write this stuff down. And I would just flip the page, write this stuff down. 
Then after the gym would close, whether it was on a Saturday or a Sunday or a Tuesday at midnight, no matter what it was, I would stay and I would train. I would do my second workout. And what would I do? I would walk around with the two guys that cleaned the place and I would ask them, what are you using on the floor? Why do you use this on the black rubber here? Why do you use that on the tile in there? Why do you spray this down the lock? And I was writing down the whole maintenance curriculum because the gym was always spotless and it was a very successful club. Right. So a lot of times you hear this in business, rather than reinventing a wheel, if you have a wheel that runs really, really well, you should kind of look at why that wheel, the wheel runs well and copy part of that wheel or the blueprint board at least, right? So that's what I was doing. I was looking at all these different things, understanding why their juice bar was such an important component of that gym. And it was, it was, a, it, the thing was unbelievable and not just for the cash flow of it, but for the culture that it created within the gym, people hung around there. They kind of like they were they had, they had tables set up. They had people at the bars, and they and it would really look like a social environment. It didn't look like a gym. And I was like, well, that's kind of new. We didn't see that in some of the gyms we worked out back in the day. And I started ruining. So then I would take all of these notes, and there were pages. And every week, I would go to my dad, and I would sit with him, and I would flip the pages, and I would show him this, this, this is okay. Here, this, this is. And I almost started to create a little bit of a an operations manual with it which back then I didn't call it that. It was really Jesus just knows to show my father that I was learning the, and, and, and gathering the information that I knew was going to be important to him about how the business made money and why it was successful. So eventually you show him the paperwork, everything that you've been put together. Your uncle, right, gives some of the money. Your pops gives some of the money. You open brick. Yes, yeah, so they, they gave us a loan. So my uncles, two of my uncles, so it was really, I had a loan to three of them, right? So my father and my two uncles split them. Yeah. So I had to deal, I had to write three checks every month to those guys. So I cut a deal with them. I think they would think it was a 6% interest rate that I paid these guys. It was a three-year note. I won't forget the terms because it was so ingrained in my head. And and um, and my partner's father gave him his end. So they lent us the money. They, 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 they took a roll with us. We, you know, we got, we were able to get the loan. And then, you know, month one, we'd have to start writing the checks for the loans, right? I mean, we got to start making the paybacks. And I always laugh about this, and this is the truest part of this story that you will ever hear that's so accurate because it is, it is so, so close and dear to my heart. We would literally sit and open the checkbook and write the checks out of all the mortgages that we do. So we had the SBA loan, which was a pretty big loan. That, that loan was like, I think, 500 grand. I mean, it was, it was I mean, now our gyms, We I, I wish I could build a gym that big for 500 grand. Uh, we, it was a big, but to me, that was like Mount Everest. That was a huge amount of money because I, I didn't have that kind of money. But when we first sat down to write the checks, my father, Uncle Buddy and Uncle Frank, their checks got written first. And my partner's father, check got written first. And the irony part about that is the truth of the matter is, is we always said that these guys will show up on our doorstep if we don't pay them. The bank is not going to show up on our doorstep. <laughs> they're going to make us a little miserable, but they're not going to show up on our doorstep. <laughs> and we don't know what happens when they do. So we literally would write these, uh, so we write those checks out. And what I would do is, I and, I and I was telling you, Jimmy, a little personal fact here. I would write my uncles and my father, my father included, a note every every month with the check. And I would handwrite the note. Oh, let me, oh, I'm sorry, guys. That's okay. Let me put this on. Uh, that's okay. I got, us, I got us connected, so. That, that's okay. That, that's your uncle. <laughs> Waiting for his last payment, saying, "Hey, can I get equity now instead of payment?" <laughs> I write these great notes to them, and I was telling Jimmy a story. Um, at one of the parties to that point, uh, my uncle Frank, we were sitting in my backyard, and we used to have these big family parties at my house. It was my way of celebrating with with everybody, and we'd have a, you know, it wound up being like a weekend long party. It was supposed to be just Labor Day, but it wound up like I'd be finding cousins in my like backyard for like three days and four days, and I was like, hell out already, come on, this is we had enough now. So, uh, but one of my uncles said to me, you know, we laughed, and he's looking around the backyard, and he's and he looks at me, he goes. I should have taken the equity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted a straight loan. They wanted to do an interest loan payment, which I was fine. But he, but I, you know, he probably should have taken a little bit of equity because it might have been a bit of a bigger payoff uh, at the end of the day. But it was really, it was a that was so that was gym number one, right? That was my right. first gym. It was Brick, New Jersey, and uh, I call that geographically successful, Jimmy. But at that point, did you think about franchising, or no. it was just like I'm opening a gym, right? At gym. what point? So, so then, so then you opened. The second one. Well, Jim, let's Jimmy, let's yeah. let's 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 backtrack a little bit. So obviously you work in a gym and then you open up your own. What was what was going on in your head that made you say, Okay, what do I want to do different? How can I differentiate? Like what was that moment where you're like, 
I want to do this because, like, did you see a gap in in the local gyms? I mean, I know back back in the day, like the Golds, the World, the Powerhouse, they were more of like a, a hardcore type of gym. And then, you know, when you came out and you started retro, it kind of revolutionized the way that we picture gyms, you know, in today's age. So was there some type of aha moment that you had that that made you say, I can do this differently and be successful? So that happened, Matt, that's a great question. That happened four years later, right? Five years later. <clears throat> so my first gym, no, I didn't have the aha moment yet, but I realized, oh man, there's a huge opportunity in this business. My original gym was open the gym. I, I, I differentiate for me then was offering, you know, more personal training and and more nutrition services. And there was a company that Jimmy and I saw go from its birth, from nutrition analysis to Apex to now it's called Dot Fit. We were there that whole time. So we, you know, utilizing those strategies and, and trying to encompass a person's whole fitness. So that's what I thought was a differentiator, and which it was at that time. But the differentiator changes. It's in fact changing right now as we speak, right? So what makes you different today was certainly what made you different from 10 years ago. And we can say that about probably any industry. But for those that are listening for their benefit in business, what I realized uh, in the, well, so Carmelo was born in 2001. So right when my first daughter was born, I started to realize that there was a shift happening. Um, that was a couple of years after I opened my first gym. I opened my first gym in 97. And I was, and I started to pay attention to other things beside what I wanted and loved about the gym. I started to think about what does my customer want? Who is my customer? And then I started to get more educated on demographic data and understanding the consumer. And I started using data from my own system to see who my customer was. I would run age reports. I would run male, female reports. I would run check-in time of day reports, trying to see trends. And there was a ton of them. They were so black and white and they were simple back then. They were very simple trends. Uh, so I took, and the bones of those trends that I, that I, I use then, I still use today in evaluating how a gym should look and feel and behave. So, it was then when I started Retro, which was years later, after I'd opened my second gym, had more data. I was opening my third gym, had more data. And that's when I realized, okay, I have to change. I have to make a, a substantial change, which is when I deviated from the original path that I had come out of, which was, you know, that old, you know, powerhouse gold worlds, old school gym kind of curriculum that I loved, but that wasn't who the member was at that time. Right. And, and, and you know, I can remember in 2004 when I trademarked Retro. In 2005, I converted my first gym. I was so disciplined about it and passionate about it that my original gym we talked about in Brick, I sold that gym because it didn't fit my new model. It didn't fit where the business was going. So I literally sold that gym. Now, it's ironic because that gym today is a retro fitness because it's since converted. The owners that bought it came to me and wound up buying a franchise from me and converted it. It's a very successful gym in the model that we use today. So, wow. but I was convicted about it. I had such conviction. I said, this model doesn't fit my square footage. It doesn't fit my customer. I'm selling. I, I, I couldn't fathom converting it back then. It was easy for me to open a new box. So, so you move forward with retro. Where did retro, the name come from? So one night when I was, you met Carmelo. Is, is, is it one of those stories? It's one of those stories. <laughs> you, you met my daughter. So you've seen Carmela, right? You've yes. seen 18 years old, right? So uh, I was rocking Carmela to sleep. It was, I was on the night shift, right? When, you know, when she was a baby, I, I had that shift. I, I, it, and I'm in there and I got my notepad that we always talk about. You always got to keep a notepad when you're in business. I had my notepad and I had a couple of reports that I had run. So talking about the demographic stuff we talked about. So I had ran some gender, some age stuff, and I started looking. I saw, wow, there was a, an enormous consistency in the amount of Generation X people I was acquiring. And why was I acquiring so many? The, re the reason for they were referring, the atmosphere I had created, the music I was playing, the color scheme I was using at that gym at the time, I had realized that I had a specific demographic that I was 80 plus percent of my members were coming from. So I said, rather than going, you know, the 80-20, rather than trying to get the other 20% and going, just trying to appease them, I had this big group that was already saying yes and loving us at, at a high level. So I started to think about who and what would be attracted to, what name, what type of brand. And I started thinking about Generation X and pop culture, and, and then the word retro popped into my head. And so I wrote it down and I circled it. And because I was thinking of everything from, 
if you looked at the original retro fitness gyms, they had like Johnny Rocker bar stools in there, right. and, the right. yeah. floors. and then we went hardcore into the eighties theme stuff as well, because yeah. that was the music we were playing. Like you, you can go into any retro fitness. If I, if I throw on some Motley crew, you're going to get some, some people that are going to be very happy. Right. I mean, it's just, it just happens. Um, and, I remember in some of my clubs, my father's gym in Sarajevo, the funniest thing, he literally had a car, a, a cardboard cutout of Ronald Reagan at the front desk, it was like a full size. It was a stir, but the members loved it because like, he was iconic in that period. So we themed it pretty well, and we played that really well. And when our mail pieces went out, um, it would the original mail piece I did for, for Retro Fitness said uh, it had a Rubik's Cube. There were three, three images, a Rubik's Cube, an Atari joystick, and a pair of Van sneakers on the front. Now, mind you, I don't think at the time I had copyright usage of any of those images. So I, and I also wasn't as big as I am now. So today I probably wouldn't have used that without getting the proper copyright. But then we just grab an image. But we would send it and we wrote, do you remember when? And then you'd flip it over and it said a gym was affordable. And then we said $19.99 a month. And it was like blowing people away because remember, back then everyone was doing $39 and $49 and even $59 a month in that market, in the suburban right. New Jersey markets. So we came in at $19. Bucks. We, we, we really changed the culture uh, at the time of what people's expectations were for a gym. Because when you walked in, you got a $59 or $69 a month gym. I wasn't giving you crap. You were getting top of the line treadmills from Life Fitness. You were getting top of the line hammer strength. Equipment. You were getting top of the line. I mean, we equipped the clubs super well for that price point. So it was like instant success. Matt? Go, go ahead, Jim. All right. So, so, the, so the franchise thing, you decide to franchise how hard was it back then to to create to start a franchise and and, and create the that franchise booklet and the, and all that stuff that has to be cookie cuttered throughout how did you manage that i think that's one of the things that most people underestimate is the process of what you just said because you, you can't franchise something that's not systemized. So the first thing is you have to have a very strong, because I get this question all the time from budding entrepreneurs of all businesses, not just fitness. You know, I want to franchise my brand. I'm like, great, how many units you have? And sometimes they'll say zero. And I just look at them. I'm like, how could you have zero? How could you franchise something you don't even know if it works or you haven't built once or twice yourself? Before I built any franchise, even when I did the yogurt business, I built, I built two yogurt jobs. I did. I put my money in, uh, my investors, my partner's money in, and we built that those businesses. And then I had something to present. It's difficult to just go and franchise it's really hard. And I say it's hard because uh, I, I think back to the years it took to build what was the operations and the system model. And then it's, you know, franchising is different than running. You might be a great technician of running your gym or running your business, but you may not be a great technician of running other people that run that gym or run that business. And it's like the E-Myth, Michael Gerber's book. It's a great book to read if you haven't read it. Or, and if some of your listeners benefit, they should absolutely pick that book up. It'll give you the understanding of the different hierarchies of types of people and, and, and how they behave. So you've got the owner, the manager, and the technician. They talk, that's what Michael Gerber talks about in the books. And there are three different people with three different job descriptions with three different personality types and skill sets. So I was a great operator of the gym business. It didn't mean I was going to be a great franchisor. It so happened that I had the, the, the benefit and the blessing of being a, a good people person. I was able to talk to people very well. I was able to listen very well. So when I got into franchising, communication for me came really easy. And that is the business of franchising. It's really a business of communication because I have this great thing. It's, it's, your, it's your brand. It's your baby. And then you're going to hand it to someone. So if I don't communicate how I want you to handle my baby, my expectations, your expectations might be different. So that's a different business model. Forget about all the legal stuff, all the, the, the expectations, all the obligations. Just that one, that one psychological highway has to be understood how you're going to drive on it together. Right. Did you have to well, – yeah, you had two clubs, right, when, before you started franchising? I was just opening the third. The third, right? Okay. So when you decided to franchise, did you have to go back and fix everything or did you just – roll right into like again you it's a system did you have that system already planned or you're like let's franchise and like uh we we gotta go back and fix this and then franchise so you have to do some things differently to build so the you, model yeah you, you have to make it duplicatable so it has so the system has to be able to be duplicated by others with this the same product process and people right those those three important pieces that everyone talks about you hear about the the, the show, The Profit, they talk about it all the time, but that's a, that's a very true statement. So you've got to be able to have all of those things systemized. Now, it's hard to systemize 
people. That's the hardest part. The product and the process, you, you, we can get down really tight. So we got that down really tight. And then we worked on the people part. How do we train the people? Because that was really important. The who was really important in the model. And so that's what I went back and we worked a lot on. Um, I was very fortunate in the early years. I had some really good people come to me early on that were just really wanted to learn and they wanted to be part of the system. And they, and and every franchise system has its own difficulties at some point, whether it be the location analysis or whether it be the, the wrong franchisee at the time, or there could be lots of challenges you could have. But if you have down a couple of those things, like the product and the, and, and the process, you can solve for so many of the other challenges that'll come up. So that's why I had to go back and work on Jimmy. I mean, we ran a really good gym. I gyms. The reason why I started franchising was because people kept coming to me to want to invest in my gyms because right. we were milling the money through. I mean, we were, we were we were more profitable than your average business, let alone your average gym. I had a high level of return. The ROI on my particular gyms was very good because of how I chose to operate them. So I think it's interesting. Yeah, Matt. I think it's interesting too. And I mean, for, for those of you who might know the story of retro and in, in your own personal story, Eric, is, you know, when you were on Undercover Boss, I mean, you pretty much laid out <laughs> the systems and I mean, literally, you, you know, you had the good and you had the bad, but I mean, those are the struggles that, that people have on a day-to-day -day basis when you're running a business. You have people who, they live your vision. They were you in the gym back when you first started and and they have that aspiration to i want to build something i need to get as much knowledge and you know experience as possible but then so how do you take that system and just scale it tremendously i mean you have what 150 different locations now in 17 states um i mean obviously jimmy mentioned in in the intro 150 million dollar a year you know business how how do you go from one to three to now 150 with another what is it like another 150 in the pipeline that you're looking Pipes growing every every week the pipe's growing so yeah i mean it, that matt this is a very important you know question when you think about scale and growth it, it's at that point it becomes the people you surround yourself with i mean there's no business that could run any size larger than one or two stores and, and i i remember i got some really good advice early on I was at a Tony Robbins convention uh, and and I, I had learned a lot from some of the other leadership people that were there. And one of the things they said is, listen, there's only a certain amount of hours in a week that you could physically work. You cannot create any more. And if you have X amount of businesses, X amount of locations, how many can you really physically go to? How many can you run at this high level? And you sit, you think, and you can you say, yeah, well, definitely one. Okay, I can, I can do two. I can run two gyms. And I did. I got to my third gym and it started to say, I'm either going to get divorced or I'm not going to be able to have my kids. Like you start to realize that what are you doing and for what reason? You have to realize there has to be another another level that you have to start considering. And that's when you have to realize you need more people and that's delegating. That's the entrepreneur's dilemma is is that letting go, that delegation. So being tried and true as, as, as a type A entrepreneur, I had a very difficult time learning that. I was lucky enough and benefited enough from some of the people that I surrounded myself with that I learned early to start delegating to qualified people that can do things much. There's people that were doing things much better than I was that worked for me and they were awesome. You know, one of my top VPs, he was with me from the beginning. He was an excellent executor at the day-to-day -day operations in those gyms, better than anyone I've ever seen to this day. And he still does it at the highest level. And now he trains people to do that, but there's no one better than him, better than, he was better than me at doing that stuff. So it was nice to be able to take that 40 hours of work and give it to someone else. Because it was 40 hours, maybe 50. And if you're really good, it's probably 60. So it's that infatuation with the business that makes you realize you need to have other people with you. So I started to scale who was with me. When I first started Retro, there was only three of us. It was my assistant and this guy I just told you about. And then as I grew, we had to grow that team because I wanted to get better. I wanted to be able to, you say, you know, at what point do you realize you could scale? Because in the beginning, I didn't think about scaling like that. I got two, three gyms. I'll make a ton of money. It'd be great for me, great for my family. And I'm good. And I was. But I realized that I really wanted to spread what we were doing. And I really wanted to give other people the opportunity to live the lifestyle that I was living. So it wasn't really about me anymore because I already made my money. I had a ton of money, a lot of money in the bank, we had a great house, I had beautiful kids, beautiful wife. I was good. I could punch my clock and just keep doing what I'm doing and ride out to the sunset 20 years and call it a day. But that wasn't what I was about. I love this business so much. And I only, I don't only love fitness, I love watching other entrepreneurs become really successful. 
And when they're not, it actually, I was telling Jimmy this, it really personally affects me because not every location works out and not every person's right to do this and they get involved and it doesn't work out. And that actually personally affects me. It, it just does. It just bothers me because I want, I want to, I want to put everything in for you because I want you to see and reap the rewards that I know you can, that I've witnessed and that I've been part of. So getting started early on, you know, my reason for why I scaled was completely different from the reason why I started. And that's why you start a franchise. You, if you start a franchise just to make more money for yourself, that's a that's a problematic foundation because franchising is about networking and other people growing because you're growing other entrepreneurs. You are literally creating, educating, teaching, call it whatever, mentoring, use the words you want, fill in the gap, another human being for their benefit and you're being compensated for your time doing it. When so, you look at it that way, it changes things. So with with all these franchises that you that you have, meanwhile, I want to state that you have you have stepped down from the CEO position, correct? Yes. And you're and you're riding out to the sunset. You're riding off to the sunset. <laughs> Not so fast, big fella. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, for those who are listening, he is in the office of the retro fitness. Can I tell me your location? Yeah, I'm in Apopka, yeah. It's an Apopka retro fitness. And, and he's, he's <laughs> he is hands on, man. This guy does not stop. And he, you know, whenever we talk on the phone, he goes, you know what, Mentis? You're just like me. I'm like, don't put me in that category. He goes, no, you're just like me. And I'm like, no. And you know what? It's, it's, he just, he, well, he won't stop. He, he's, he's inspiring is, is what it yes. is. I mean, the yes. fact that, I mean, before we even started, I, I, I said this to you, Eric, that I see so many entrepreneurs who they make their money and, and you kind of alluded to it, you know, a little bit ago, they make their money and they walk away or they make their money and they put people in positions where they're at the beach every day, all day, not worrying about their business and they let other people run it. You're literally still in the trenches. <laughs> I mean, from day one to now, from nothing to the millions and everything in between, you've stuck with it, you know, your blood, sweat, you know, and, and the grind and the hustle. I, I, for anyone who's listening to this, you can't help but be inspired by that. I mean, it's the reason I built my business. It's the reason Jimmy built his business, because you have that passion for something and you just keep going because you wake up excited to and and I don't want to put words in your mouth. I mean, and say that you get excited every morning you wake up to to go into work, but you have that passion. It's what gets you out of bed to make you want to go do it. Here's the thing: he's got that fight. Yeah. See, you can you can wake up and say, you know what? I don't freaking do this no more. I'm sure he's had him. I've had him. You know. But you have a fight in you, and that fight. You know, when you start something, you have to it, it, you you have to find a way, and that way, and those people who have that, I have to find a way, it just bleeds into other avenues. You know, um, and I can I can say that with Beauty Fit, I've had other business owners stuff like, but obviously we seen we seen how Beauty Fit grown in the last ten years, right? From one product, I could stop at five, right? How many companies have done you know hundred million with five products? How many companies have done 100 million with one product but it's that it's that fight it's like let me see let me see and open doors and you open doors it's 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 not the business it's the person behind the business you and, know and it goes beyond you and that's what it is i always found and i see it with myself and, and others like you guys it, it has to go beyond the four walls of your own universe and that's really what it is for me i i, I mean i truly i mean i have family members that are that are owners of retrovis i have cousins brothers father uh, best friends that are in that system, and, and many people that have become like family to me that are in that system. So even though I've got a, a really strong, great guy running the day to day, I still, you know, have, I'm still obviously a, a huge owner of retro fitness. I, I have my, my equity stake and I'm on the board. Um, I just know that there's other things I need to be doing to continue doing what, what I'm passionate about. And I'm passionate about a couple of things, right? I'm passionate about health and wellness. We know that I'm passionate about people being their best them. And that comes in a couple of forms. And obviously it's in the fitness world. It's, it's now going into the anti-aging world. And it's also in the business world. I, and I know that me being able to work with others to explore their own and create their own entrepreneurial path is something that I'm very passionate about because I know the rewards of that lifestyle. Um, I know the unique personalities. Not everyone's designed to work, you know, a nine to five, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. 
those those creative types or those you know certain extra i got extra gas that tank types i call them right they they want to do a little more they should be able to so uh for me and and, and i still love being in a gym right so i still i, I still own a retro fitness of course and i i come into my own gym because it's where i started this is it's it's something that i always enjoy and quite frankly i'm i know how to make money in this business so i i, I keep it because it's a good asset of mine but I also love the clanking of the weights. You know, I, I love being able to go out there. And the reason why you built the pit gym, you just love that environment. You know, I, I love having a, you know, I've got a lot of, I got, I got a lot of offices. Not all of them are as nice as this with a Christmas tree in it, but I enjoy coming to this office when I visit here. You know, it's a great, it's a great place for me to stop. But the reason I do it, the, your why is, uh, it be, becomes much bigger and it changes, it evolves. And as mine has changed and evolved, it's allowed, and, and Retro Fitness has, has allowed me uh, these different pathways for me to go down and, and start doing some of this other, exploring some of these other uh, entrepreneurial experiences that I want to, uh, to do. But like I said, Jimmy, I, you know, I, I can't go and lay on a beach. You know, I'm fair-skinned. I, I certainly suck at golf, so I'm not going to go do that. And I can't fish. Even though I like to say I do, I don't. So for me, my, my golf, my fish, my beach is the gym, is right. the business, is being involved in entrepreneur, is looking for the next answer because you want to help those because you get questions all the time and then you see these certain products and you think to yourself i could probably do that a little bit better than it's being right, right. it's not ego it's not ego i swear it's not ego it's not your right. ego because you really want to you want your customer you want the right. person that you're sending out that box of products to to say try this one now well i i have and i do <laughs> so now now eric here's a question for you have you always had and jimmy i don't know why we've never asked other people this question but eric have you always had like that entrepreneurial drive that entrepreneurial spirit or was it kind of like i'm gonna dip my toes into owning a gym and from there you you kind of got the bug of okay cool i have all of these ideas and rather than working for someone i'm working towards something meaning building you know your your business so was there a period where you always just had the idea like hey i want to do my own thing i want to build a business or was it just kind of one of those things that you eased your way into and then all of a sudden you were just like taken over? I think uh, 100% I've always been an entrepreneur. I've never had the idea of going and working for a big, and I'd be recruited by, as I was scaling my own business early on, uh, the interesting thing about the gym business is you have members that do everything. So I would constantly have my own members that were very successful people in corporate America doing some really great things out there that would say, hey, Eric, do you want to come work with us? You want to? And I was like, yeah, no, <laughs> like it, it was never the thought. And it was like security and it was, it was benefits and it was for, I was like, yeah, no. Now my wife, maybe Kim probably would have hoped I might've said yes. One of those days, because you know, this, you know, everybody hears and thinks it's all this. It's really this right. going up and it's great, but it's not straight up. Nothing is straight up, including my own success. Um, so but the answer to your question, the simple answer is no, I've never considered ever a day that I would uh, do that. It just wasn't in my DNA. And it's not, there's nothing wrong with that, but it just wasn't for me because I, I don't work well in that environment. It's just not, it's not a strength for me. It's a weakness. Hey, um, undercover boss. I mean, even personally, I've never asked you this. I, t I don't know why. How did, you know, obviously there's marketing behind it, right? But how did it, how did it all come about and, and how comfortable or uncomfortable did you feel? Because did you walk that, that fine line or were you really you? I mean, you know, can you that was a hard, that? That, was a hard, I, that was much harder than people think. Like, it, it, was it fun? It was fun after. It, there was not a minute of fun during. Like people, that was like, that was heartache for 10 straight days for me. Like it really was not a good experience uh, from, from Eric Cassiviri's side, from my perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a great experience for the business. It was a great experience for the people that watched on TV. Of course, it was a great experience uh, after when we could talk about it and I could laugh about some of the things that, that happened. But uh, it came about because my PR firm called me up and they said, hey, uh, they had, the the producers had seen me on a couple of shows. I think I was on MSNBC. I was on Fox a couple of times, Fox Business. I, I, I've done the circuit on a lot of the big um, TV station uh, news shows. And they said, listen, we've done a lot of food concepts in Undercover Boss. If you notice, if you look back at the traditional season, it was a, it was a lot of restaurant concepts. Right. They said, mm -hmm. we wanted something different. And we saw this guy and we they, they found out that I was a client of this PR firm at the time, that Retro was at the time. And so they called me and they said, hey, 
you know, I remember it was right before they was right before thank um, sorry uh, Valentine's Day because it, it was it was in February, and the producer so they connect with the producer and, and then Chris Carlson the executive producer calls me up and he says uh, you know we're excited you know we think you're going to be on season five which was the next season, uh, and I so I kind of thought I had you know a little bit of time to think about it so not same day we're leaving my cousin's house my cousin Andre and Leo's we're literally leaving the house going back to my house and the phone rings again and I'm in the car and I'm like and Kim's sitting next to me and I'm like yeah it was it was California number again I'm like I just talked to this guy he's like okay we got to change your plans he's like you're going to be in season four he's like you got to be ready next month we're going to start filming <laughs> in March and I would look at the phone he goes oh and stop shaving and he hung up on me like, I look at him like that was the craziest freaking call I've ever had in my life. This guy, I, I didn't even, I didn't even have the paper. This guy's like, stop shaving. I'm like, and and we did. We I think we started filming March 10th. I think I, I think that date six months. It was less than a month because it was it was I think it was Valentine's Day where I was at we were at my cousin's for dinner, and that's so it came at me like 100 miles an hour. And so I didn't have a lot of time to think. And that's probably better because had I had too much time to think, I probably would have been like, I don't know, this is. You know, and I was, you know what, it's gonna be great for the business. I, you know, my attorneys ran through all the paperwork and, and next thing I know, it was like a carnival, like the carnival showed up at my house. And it is a carnival. Like the crazy thing about that, they that production's amazing how they do that. Uh, because they're putting on a ruse, right? Because and it's very, very genuine how they do everything, it's authentic. And but it takes a lot of people. So there's like there's a cavalry of these trucks and RVs with all this equipment in it. And you just travel from place to place. It's like a carnival. That's what I said to the camera. I'm like, this is the only thing I can tell you it's like it's like being in a carnival. And you stay in these weird CD, you know, hotel motels, and and it, it's I was way out of my comfort zone. Um uh, it was it was awkward. It was just it was, this experience was just really odd. It was like it was like a bad long nightmare. But uh, for the benefit of while I was doing it, though, I really got into it because I was in the gym and I love being in the gym. And, and right. uh, the hardest part for me was not saying my name, right? Because I'm so used to, you know, being in sales, you introduce right. and eye contact and you say your name and you learn their name. And, and like having to do that, that was the hard part about that. But it came about in a very interesting way. They, they, they called us um, and I was willing to do it. It was fantastic for the retro brand because it got us exposure across the country where we were really well known in the tri-state area like new jersey new york pennsylvania like we were we, we had a great footprint so we were well known but no one knew us in florida no one knew us in chicago no one knew us in california and we have gyms in all those places now so it got us across and then it went nationwide and then it went international so and i still because it, it replays i still guys i get emails and hits on linkedin hits on on instagram and dms from all over the place from places around the world. In fact, just today, just today, uh, someone from the UK sent me a, a really awesome message because sometimes they never saw, they see the repeat. It's got right. three years later, not four years later. Yeah. And, and and they send me these really things. You're such a kind person. It's great. And they, oh, we're so sorry about that crazy girl. Like it's, it's the same. You know, <laughs> over and over. But I've had rabbis, I've had priests, nuns. I've had a lot of religious people also email me because I, you know, if you if you recall in some of the scenes there, I spent some time. I have a beautiful big statue, and Jimmy, you might have sort of. I moved it down here to Florida of the Blessed Mother in my yard in my house in Jersey, and I took this nine foot statue that came from a monastery, and I took it down here as well. And I spent some time in the show because it was important for me for them to capture who I was as a person. That was the only thing I asked Chris Carlson to do. I said, "Listen, I said, I'll give you me, 100% entrepreneur, me, crazy me, OCD me. You'll get me 100%. I'm not an actor. I'm a real guy." I'm like, but you got to give them everything of me. I'm like, you, if you're going to film what they call the home package, my personal life, my personal life is, this is part of it. Like my, you know, you know, my, we're, we're an old school Catholic family. We do church on Sunday. We, we you know, we, we, we say grace and, and we do prayers at night with the kids. Like, you know, and I, I just wanted them to say that that was a part of my life. And so they, oh, hold on guys. Look at my lights went out. Your, your, your time's up. <laughs> your time's up. It, it won't even stay on either. Look at that. They don't want me to, there we go. So, um, so that was part of like, so when, when we talked about it, they did the home package really well because they captured a very authentic version of what was going on in my home life as well as in the business. And I think it played well. So a little fun fact, we are then still the number two episode ever in undercover boss. Views. Wow. So we had nine and a half million views. And the only season that beat us was season one, episode one. So their first really? show, biggest bang is they promoted the shit out of it. But our episode 
was the number two episode of all time for them. And, 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 and obviously it wasn't, it really wasn't an entertaining show because we did some unprecedented things. We were the first person on live TV to, to, that someone ever got terminated on. I mean, no, everyone else was always afraid to do it, but my franchisee is a Jersey guy. And he's a real player. He was just like me. And, and he, and he, and he, he did what he had to do. Now, Eric, do you think more um, business owners and, and when I'm going to say business owners in, in a grand scale, somebody who has, multiple franchises or multi-million dollar business. Do you feel that doing something like what you did on on uh, Undercover Boss was beneficial because it got you in the trenches of sorts where you kind of had to do a deep dive and an audit of your business of, you know, are the systems working? Are the employees working? You know, do we do we need to make changes? Do we need to do this? Do we need to do that? Like, do you feel that more people need to do that with their business these days versus taking a back seat and having a general manager doing that or having somebody else do that. You know, do you really feel that the entrepreneur, the founder needs to kind of get his hands dirty or her hands dirty and, and do that deep dive? Yeah, Matt, the answer to that is emphatically yes. So there's certain things you can delegate and there's certain things you cannot. So let me be clear on, on what I said earlier. Delegating doesn't mean you delegate those kinds of things. So what your brand's expectations are, what you or or how they're being treated or how they're how they're being executed upon. As an owner of a business, if, if at the end of the day you're writing the check, if, it, if your name's on the bottom right corner, you're you're responsible. Like you're the obli you're obligated. You're the obligor. You have to make sure that the train is running on the tracks correctly. Um, you can have people that help you do that. But in a day, if you have a vision for your brand, and you want it to be a certain way, it's your need to communicate that. You need to monitor that and measure that. However, whatever your measurement tools are, whether it's data, whether it's physically going in. So being part of it and going back in, I've done it my own business. I fell victim to that. I've got so many other things going on and then I go back to my own gym. I'm like, uh, that's not how we answer the phone or, oh, that's not how we do a tour of a gym. And you gotta go back in and you just gotta, it's like a piano, right? If you ever tuned a piano, you know that those strings never stay tuned. I mean, they just don't. A piano will naturally want to pull itself out of tune. So you have to come back in and tune the piano, get everything aligned again. Right. And it happens everywhere. Because even your best manager, sometimes they just they just get a little lazy or they just get, they get maybe comfortable. And comfort isn't where you want your manager all the time. You want them to be excited and, and be moving right. and progressing. So complacency is a problem. And complacency could be a problem for your business in your vision. So you may have done great and then you just start leveling off here, but no, you still want to do this, right? So you've got to get rid of complacency. How do you do that? You've got to get in there and start measuring things and looking at things. So doing Undercover Boss was a physi physical experience of that. I got to go in there and really see that. And I was like, wow, we had to, we, we learned. I've got a lot tremendous amount of takeaways from that. Some of the stuff that oh, never did you? on TV. Did, oh my God, Jimmy, yeah. tons. There was... I had a, again, my notepad, I would get back to that hotel room. I didn't have a whole lot to do because they didn't let me have any electronics. I had no laptop. They didn't let me communicate on my phone. You couldn't do Oh my it. God. Yeah. Really? Off on, oh yeah. You signed a whole bunch of documents. You're not oh allowed my, to give I, out. I, I would have said goodbye. I got to go. They want to be 100% authentic. So they don't want you to communicate with anyone. Like I didn't know where I was going to the morning when they rolled in. Then they handed me a piece of paper. Here's where we're going today. I had no idea what gym we were headed to. It was, it was really crazy because you, they would, kind of like sleep us in a room, place that was kind of close to that location. And then you wouldn't know which one. I couldn't even figure it out. So I was like, where the hell do they have us going? I'm like, we're, we're 20 miles from the nearest one in my head that I know. And you, you didn't know. So you had a lot of time. So I, I was writing down the, the eight, 10, 12 hours that I was working in the gym that day. You only saw, you know, 10 minutes at a clip or five minutes or eight minutes. Like we were in that gym for 10 hours. Like we had to work a whole shift, whether it made, the, made it on TV or not, I had to still work that shift. And while I was there, I was working that shift and what am I doing? I was paying attention, looking at things, figuring things out. I'm like, and, and mind you, I know who the franchise owner is in my head. And I'm thinking, okay, I got to tell this guy this because after this show is over, because he's got to know that. So what I did after went way beyond the show, way beyond the show. Did you ever want to break character? Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Twice. Once where it's on camera where you actually see it happening. And once when it was, it didn't make it on the, on the cutting floor. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was at the end, uh, you know, when we got to that radical point, when, when that when that girl was telling off that member, I was, you know, you know how big a front desk is. You're working on a front desk. I mean, I, mean I, I was I was three feet from that in reality. I mean, I was in earshot. Now, it, it I think that was probably one of, and I I've got to listen. I'm a 
I'm an Italian guy. I got a little bit of a temper sometimes, right? I mean, it, it comes. Out. I was angry. Like I, I was like, shit, because that's 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 just like, hey, you're fired on the spot kind of thing in my right. like in my mind. Like Absolutely. you got to go home. You got to go home right now. Like kind of. And I was like, wow. So, and I knew that was the only time where I knew. Like I was like, okay, there's a camera somewhere. Like. It was weird. Like I, the whole time you don't think about it because you're in, you're, you're working, and I forget I was had a wig on, I forget I have glasses. Like, like I forget all of that because I'm in there and I'm in a gym. And to me, I'm in a gym. Like I'm gonna make a shake, I'm gonna talk to, like I'm in the gym, and I was working the shift. Like I did tours, I made shakes all day. Like I did a clean, I did it. But that was the first time I was like, wait, you're Eric Casabury. You're not this this fucking guy Barry. Like it was like in my head, I was like, whoa, you. And, and it, I had to stop. But then I was like, okay, bigger picture thing. Well, this will get addressed. And I'll, I didn't take my path to the end. I took a different path to the end, but it's the, we still got, it was the same, it was the same end, just a different means. Right. Right. Wow. I, mm. yeah, when I saw that. I was like, Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. It was crazy. It, it was, and there was some stuff that like, it, there was just a ton more. Like there was so like, they could have made that a, a two hour special. I mean, it was like, <laughs> like it really could have. And it would have been did great. Anybody, the producers, you should did, have done did, the second part of that. Did anybody recognize you? No, but then say anything. No. So one, one area I thought I felt someone because you could feel it. Like you could feel my, I felt it. Um, and what they do, if I would say that in the mic, they would instantly send out a cafe camera to that person and distract them. Like they're on a TV show. So they would bring a, one of the fake cameras. He's really like, they got these camera guys walk around. Some of them, there was just no film in the day. It was just literally a dumb, dummy camera. And they would roll up to you and they just get like in your face, the camera, hey, Jimmy. And they would just distract you. And, and then they would get you to like, kind of like just get out of the scene kind of and get away from you. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was, they are awesome at, at what they do. Just awesome. This is great. So. Man, we, I go on and on and on. It's like it's like it's like I've never talked to this guy, right? But we always talk, and, and it's like I got so many so many questions. But so what's next? So you're doing? Am I allowed to say about the anti? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that. you're doing this anti aging thing, right? Is this a franchise thing again? Are you? Are you... As I said, everything starts out as not a franchise because you right. Have you have to perfect the model before you can ask someone else to try to perfect it for right. you. So we are in the process of, of perfecting. So we're, we're going to roll out one or two units. Uh, I'll own them. I'll control them. And then uh, because of the way I'm structuring it, it will more than likely be a franchise sooner than later in, in the anti-aging and, and wellness space. Um, it's like a revision of what some, you know, it's like a conversion of med spa and medical and a step at, you know, aesthetics, of course. And it kind of, it's, it's, it's merging in a place where being in the fitness community for so long, you know, we've realized that our gym members should be, or is working out and then should be doing a lot of other things at home. Because we always talk about the other 23 hours, like what goes on outside the four walls of the gym. And that's really where all the magic happens from recovery to proper nutrition to all these things. And I've always been uh, an advocate of, you know, living your best life. But I more so started focusing in on, I guess, because, you know, a pop, we talk about our, our, our parents and our, and, and, on, and, my, and my dad and, and I, I look at like how some people are aging and, and the last 10 years of most people's lives are just not great. They're just not high quality. And you can think about in your head, so many people, you know, you know, whether it's be because they don't physically be able to move well, cognitively, they're not there. So, you know, my goal as it was with fitness was to kind of, how do I improve upon benefiting someone's, someone's life, right? So I looked at that and there's a lot of really cool things, a lot of cool science happening and looking at why does, you know, age 70 to 80 or 80 to 90 or 90 to hundred, whatever it may be, have to be terrible. Like, why does it have to be just as large as I, you know, I was watching, I was, uh, we went to mass on Sunday and there was this older woman walking out and, and she was so hunched over looking at the ground and her, and her it looked like, I guess it was her daughter that was helping her walk out. She had a cane and I was like, man, I'm like, I wonder if there could have been a few things we could have done to probably right. fix her, help her so that she didn't have to walk like that and move like that. It's probably very painful. Um, and there's probably a lot of inflammation happening and there's lots of reasons why. And sometimes you, you kind of, you can figure out some of the reasons why. So this, this, oh, hold on. You there guys? Yep. Yep. Sorry about that. So I, I think what happens here is this, this, um, 
this business model that I'm building out is 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 the it's the next layer of health and wellness. I mean, health and fitness they, at the end of the day is anti aging. Right? You work out, it's anti aging. You're doing things in your body, absolutely right. It's yep. at the mitochondrial yep. level. I mean, pick pick, a, pick an area, uh, the neurological level. It's anti aging. Uh, and I mean, there was just another study that came out that that resistance training with weights, heavy weights, is actually has a neurological benefit. As, Absolutely. As, in, in addition to the physiological benefits we get. Yep. So um, it's something that really excites me. There's a lot of things. It's everything from doing red light therapy to um, hormone replacement therapy, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy to um, different types of skin stuff. Jimmy, you know a lot about that, right? You know, we're going to be looking at your beauty fit line for skin stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of additions because we want you to be your best you, right? So that means, you know, looking like your best self, feeling like your best self, doing IV therapies, post-workout IV therapies. You know, you you, you know, you, you got it banged up at a bar. Maybe you went out and you drank a little bit too much. Okay. Well, there's an IV therapy that we can get you, get your nutrients back, get you hydrated again properly. Um, you know, when you're healing or glutathione, the ultimate antioxidant, taking that, there's all kinds of really awesome things that it's now available to the average person, the general consumer, the general population can get their hands on this stuff. It's just how and what do they do in the curriculum and understanding it. So our goal is to put it into like a curriculum like we do with gym membership. It's to get you to understand um, how all these other things work and how you can really feel phenomenal when all of your cells are running the right way, when all of your hormones are running the right way, and when your recovery is awesome. You know, 40 some odd years old, you don't have to be all banged up in the morning after you did a great workout. You don't have to be. There's lots of cool things you can do. So the anti-aging is kind of not just anti-aging as opposed to thinking, like, I don't want to, I want to lift from 130, which I think it'd be great if we could, but it's also, how do I live it? I'm 45 years old. How do I, why am I training the way I'm training physically in the condition that I'm in and feeling the way I do? Uh, it's just because I'm, I'm using these tools and I want to share these tools. So that's kind of what we did. So we are putting together some, some. I'm going to be one of the franchisees for the anti-aging put, and put it in the pit just for me. There you go. <laughs> with a lot of, it's synergistic with a lot of our the industries i've come from and and, and that's why it uh, i'm i'm leveraging knowledge i already have of course uh, which will, will facilitate success but i'm also um leveraging what i'm passionate about so it keeps it keeps awesome, me engaged awesome. eric let me tell you i love you brother i love you too i bro. love you i know Matt, i love you man. do you have anything for for eric i have nothing i i enjoyed the time there was a ton of value i feel that not only myself, but I think everybody who's either watching or listening on whatever platform uh, that they're on is is just going to love this interview. Any, Eric, anything you want to, we have tons of listeners, anything that you want to just share, just, I mean, just, just one thing, one takeaway. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of takeaways here. I mean, even I'm, but that one, just that one that could be a sentence, could be a word. What's that one that always... So for the folks that are listening for that are business business savvy or they're they're looking and thinking about or considering a business or they're in business or they own a business, I, I think they're or they're working for someone else and they're thinking about business, I would give the bit of advice that I would give to, to those watch people watching and those listeners um, is stick with something that is truly excites you and you're passionate about and understand that if it's something that is and, and, and you, if you and how do you figure that out? People say, well, I don't know what I'm not sure I'm unsure. Ask the question, why? Why do I want to do this? What? Why? If you keep asking why, you'll you'll get there, right? So I use the power of the question, why, to those people that are getting into a business and wondering or fearful if they could do it. You'll be able to do it, I assure you, um, if you are, in fact, passionate and excited about it, because that enthusiasm will take you, and it may not take you to the exact destination you thought you were headed, but it'll take you to a destination that you should be. So you may have to change the, the the course along the way. The road may do this a little bit instead of this. So if you're passionate and excited about it, it will at least keep you charging down the course. And the end destination might be slightly different than your vision. Like I never imagined I'd be a franchisor in the fitness world. I imagined that I'd want to, I always knew that I love to help people and I want to be part of that. I didn't realize what helping people meant. It, I thought it was always about their physical wellness and then wound up being so many other things as well. And then for those that are listening that are fitness enthusiasts, I think the greatest thing in the universe is that you have the opportunity to to be and stay healthy and to to condition the temple that you're blessed with. Like your body is just it, it is it is a temple and treat it accordingly. I mean, and, and that means taking your supplements. That means getting your sleep, drinking a ton of water. That means taking hitting the gym, doing your activities. All of that is to maintain what you are blessed to have 
if you if you're able to, to to get physically active in any capacity, I mean, I've seen some of my best members, phenomenal athletes, are in wheelchairs and they get after it. If you're able to get after it in any capacity, you are truly blessed because you can take care of what you have, whatever it is, whatever shape, size, male, female, I don't care. Whatever it is that you are gifted with, you got to maintain and manage that. It's your obligation to do that. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, from Mr. Eric Casaburi, the founder of Retro Fitness. Thanks, guys. It was my Thank pleasure. Thank you. Love you, man. Peace.